My books don't follow any particular genre, unfortunately. They're unique in the fact, I think, that I was brought up in the Far East, so a lot of my reading and influences were tinged with the flavours of the East, which included playing in Chinese graveyards when I was six years old and um, haggling for stamps in the markets on the way to school. So the stuff that I used to watch on telly was sort of um, Chinese films about Chairman Mao and fantasy films about dragons. So as a small child, I literally just sat around reading books about Chinese mythology. The Red Dragon Bed itself is my own bed. It's a family heirloom from China, and it was an or originally a Perda screen. I don't know how old it is, but probably 17th century. I was asked to write the book because when Fifty Shades of You Know What came out, my agent turned around and said to me, could I write anything erotic? And I thought about it for five seconds and thought, well, okay, I'll give it a whirl. Because I'd read Chinese mythology and because I'm not really interested in the Western idea of erotica, which seemed to have a lot to do with things like the Marquis de Sade and beating people up and submission and power and all kinds of grungy things like that, I had to think about another way of doing it. And I thought back to my Eastern influences, um, which are, you know, the, the Chinese pillow book. It, erotica in the Far East is sensual, it's subtle, um, it's mysterious, because there's always this kind of air of mystery. And I thought I'd take it one step further. And I wrote the book in a kind of a tongue-in-cheek way because I thought, what is the most, how far could you go to stretch the idea of erotica? And at the time, my 18-year-old son was playing Final Fantasy and all these kind of dragon games on the Xbox. And there was a picture of this dragon's head. And I thought, OK, well, how about if this dragon bed was made by this mythical creature who came to visit women in their sleep. So that was kind of the idea behind it. And the, then I thought back to, you know, what had I seen that was erotic in Eastern culture? And I, when I was about 20, I went to the cinema and I saw a film called I Know Corrida which is Japanese, and it's called In the Realm of the Senses. And it's really hardcore. I remember going along with a friend of mine who was just a friend, and we sat there, and it was kind of one of those embarrassing moments when there was so much going on, and it was really kind of quite erotic, and it, it, it kind of turned you on, but it was just like there was a big shock value. Because in I Know Corrida, it's a story about two lovers, and at the end of the film, she castrates him. Nice. Yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> but they do all sorts of kind of weird things in between. It's quite a famous film. And so all these kind of ideas were in my head. And I had just moved to the seaside, to Ramsgate, to this huge Victorian house. So I thought, well, 
I mean, all my novels have bits of me in it. They're like kind of kebabs where you, you know, you take a bit of this, you take a bit of that, and you chuck that in. So when I start looking at characters, I thought, okay, well, we'll have a woman that's just moved there and she finds this bed in the attic, and then what happens? So that's about as planned as my novels are to start with. I literally start with a title, an idea, and then just run with it and see where it goes from there. The actual bed, I, I still sleep in. I sleep in it every day. And I just moved into um, a small village recently. We had to sort of cut it apart to get it through the window. But it's very beautiful. It's um, red lacquer and it has dragon's heads at either end with gold balls in their mouth and five claw dragon's feet. And I had no idea what any of this symbolism meant. So when I started to write the book, I just read a lot about Chinese dragons and which dragon meant what. And, what, and red is an imperial colour and the imperial dragon always has five claws on its feet. So then because in my books I play with time frames because I'm interested in how the past affects the present and if the present can affect the past and I'm, I'm always playing with that kind of idea and what is similar now and you know in the 16th century China and because the book set now it's set in um, in a seaside town in England. It's set in 1874 when the house that I bought was actually built and it's set in China with the origins of the bed um, with the Chinese empress who, had, who was a concubine and she became an empress and she was given the bed as a gift when she arrived in the imperial palace. So all this is fiction but so right, okay. yeah. Your actual bed though, what, how did you come across that? It's been in the family forever because um, I first went to Singapore when I was six and um, my father was a pilot so he was always flying around all over the place and then we moved to Hong Kong when I was 15 and daddy was always coming back with weird and wonderful things from different places you know he turned up with a book one day which he said was a Greek Bible it probably wasn't um, you know and I have a jade horse that came from a Chinese grave which I think is probably very valuable but this bed was a parda screen um, and so nobody had used it as a bed head and when my parents, we also, I, I'm also half French, so my parents had a house in France. And when they died and I went to um, sort out all the furniture, I just found this, this thing in a corner and I thought that would make an amazing bedhead. bedhead. So that's how, it, that's how it happened. So I'm sure that actual bed could tell many stories itself. <laughs> that's not fair. Why not? <laughs> because I'm sure it could. Um, How long have you had it as a bed? You mean it could tell stories as a bed or it could tell stories? Oh, well, I'm sure it could tell stories, but I don't know what they are. Um, you know, if it was smaller, I'd probably put it in the back of the car and take it to Christie's and ask them to tell me where it came, from whence it came. Um, as a bed, I'm sure it could tell stories, but it hasn't been a bed for that long. It's probably been a bed for about... Oh, I don't know. Well, actually, quite long, about 15 years, something like that. So it could tell some stories, yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Shall we go back to the yes. book? Yes. <laughs> just... Okay, so here we are with this erotic book that I'm trying to write. Um, and... Um, 
I suppose the other thing I'm interested about is where sex can take you. I mean, you know, what happens if you push the limits of sexuality? So what kind of alternate states of consciousness? You know, because for me, normal sex is just really boring. Okay. It's like, you know, I could probably do it myself. So, um, you know, I mean, so this dragon lord gave me the opportunity to explore those kind of realms, I suppose. So when you say explore... Well, if you've got a 25-foot tongue, you know, or whatever, I mean, he comes to these women in dreams and he's the best lover they've ever had. So every earthly lover, their boyfriends go out the window, they're not interested, you know. But there's no physical touch, it's a mental touch. Well, it's no. I mean, when you have an erotic dream, do you worry about whether it's physical or not? While you're having it, it's pretty physical, isn't it? Yes. I mean, there's that other, you know, interesting point, which is the boundaries of dream and reality. Um, And one of the things I've done is spend a lot of time with Tibetan monks, because, you know, not only did I grow up in the Far East, but I was interested in Buddhism, and I became a Tibetan Buddhist. And I worked with um, these monks on something called dream yoga. So dream is very important to me in writing. Um, And when I'm writing a novel, a lot of the novel is written in my dreams. You know, if I get stuck for... um, in a chapter, I just don't worry about it. I've just got to trust in the creative process. And when I teach creative writing, I make people keep dream journals. So when you say it's, you know, when you're having an erotic dream, it's pretty bloody erotic. And you wake up in a puddle, presumably, or perhaps you did when you were 15. I don't know if you still do. But, you know, um, it's... it, it, it's sometimes more erotic than what happens when you're in bed with your partner. Is it not? Yes. Right, thank you. So this dragon lord comes to them in their dreams uh, and makes love to them and pushes the boundaries because he doesn't just want them to become obsessed with him. So then... It, the book goes into obsession and how obsessed and addicted you can become to sex and sexuality and what sensuality and what is happening there and how far you're prepared to go to fulfill that. So to start with, he becomes their lover and then he's, he doesn't just want them, he wants their souls. And in order to get their souls, of course, they have to die. So then what is, you know, so then how does this happen and you know there are three heroines in the book as such and two of them survive and one of them doesn't and I'm not going to tell you which one does and which one doesn't so then what does he do to you know these these souls of these women that he has he takes them back under his lake in China where he keeps them down underground in his watery palace and gets them out when he feels like it but the souls of his dead lovers aren't as satisfying to him as the women that he's actually conquering so then that brings you up to the thing about you know when you're when you you know you're falling in love with somebody or you're dating somebody 
is the chase chase. yeah is the chase more interesting than when you actually have somebody because when you actually have somebody do you you know really not want them anymore because you've got them in your pocket or in your cabinet under the lake as as things may be so you know so then it brings up that idea go on you're going to ask something so yeah so I mean all these themes are running through the book but I think to a certain extent they're quite subtle so you have to kind of look for them if you you can read it just as an adult fairy tale because that's what it is um you can read it as an erotic book to get yourself off or you can kind of maybe understand what's going under what yeah what what the journey is that these women are going on and um what's happening and um how they deal with this this kind of taking over of themselves I suppose because to a certain extent from a woman's point of view when you're in love or you're you know heavily involved with somebody it does kind of take over your life and that isn't very comfortable no you know so um so I suppose it's talking about that too what are each of the women's sort of family or, or current situations in the book? Well, that isn't really that important. I mean, those for me, when I'm writing a book, it's like I take it, I, I make it like a play. Again, going back to Asia and where I grew up, everything was very visual. And I'm first and foremost a poet. I mean, I started writing poetry when I was four years old. I re- had read all of Dickens by the time I was eight. Um, and now, when I'm writing novels, I can't write poetry, but when I'm not writing novels, I write poetry. It's like it uses two different parts of my brain. But when I write a book, I try to make it as visual as possible. Mm. So, and then I method act the characters, because that's the only way I could do it. So I have to get inside their heads. And me- yeah, I play them out. And so it gives it gives the characters a lot of fluidity, because... You know, some novelists, you know, write it all down and they go from chapter one to chapter two. I don't do that. I just have a title and I start somewhere and then I weave it and then I go back and redo the beginning because it's all changed by the time I get to the end. So, yeah, I mean, the the, the woman that um, has bought the place in Ramsgate, she's 40, she's got a son, she's divorced, she's had an unhappy marriage. She goes running on the beach. She meets a very beautiful, exotic-looking Indian man who's running on the beach. He's also had a bad breakup and is living in a boat down on the marina, and they start to have an affair. So that's that kind of scenario. Um, The woman in 1874, because the house itself was built that I bought was built by a Viscount, so that kind of provided me with the beginnings of that story of when it was built. So then we go back to 1874 when it was built and Lady Constance is a spoilt brat who comes down from London and Mummy and Daddy have been to Crystal Palace exhibition and bought the entire Chinese um, exhibits for the house that they've just built her. So the Red Dragon bed is there, she goes to the house, it's all there. And she, Ramsgate at that time was quite interesting. Um, Princess Victoria made it <clears throat> a place to go in 1823 and then there were, you know, people used 100,000 people used to go to the seaside there in the summer and so she rides up and down in her carriage she has, of course, because you have to have the 
token lesbian affair. She has a lesbian affair with, with somebody. Um, and, you know, there's a, a, there's a young man that's interested in her. But she, you know, for her going to the seaside gives her a freedom that she doesn't get in London. So you have that lovely kind of, you know, scenes of what's going on in the tea gardens and the Italian greenhouse, you know. And they used to have sort of underground gardens, so you've got sort of a couple of lesbian scenes in the underground gardens. And this girl that she's having an affair with falls in love with her. Um, but, you know, um, Constance is in love with the Dragon Lord, so that's what's going on so there. that's by the by what she's experiencing, mm -hmm. what she's dreaming. What she's dreaming, what the, you know, what these women are dreaming are far more, is become far more important to them. It's like a drug, it's like a heroin or um, LSD or, as I said, I'm interested in alternate states of consciousness and in my time I have had many alternate states of consciousness, so it's quite easy for me to write about these things. So the, the women... Those are the two, and then where the Red Dragon Bed comes from originally is China in 1652. Um, and that part of the story is built on fact. There was an empress who started off as a concubine who came from a, 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 a small town in China. Her father was captain of the guard. She was brought into the imperial palace and she became the favorite of the emperor. And um, when she arrived in the Imperial City, she slept in the Red Dragon bed. Um, uh, but I mean, I can't give too much away because I said two of the women die and one of them doesn't. But yeah, it's. Uh, but and there is, you know, there is a hero apart from the Dragon Lord. Who I I I kind of like him. I mean, you know, if I. If if there was a dragon lord, I think I'd probably be under his under his spell. Oh, totally! I'd be in his cupboard <laughs> <laughs> with my tongue leg. hanging out. Yes, I certainly would. Um, so yeah, there is a hero um, who is the guy that the the first woman now meets on the beach, the Indian guy who because he's Indian, he has all the background, and he goes and finds out what's going on. At the end of the book, there is kind of, you know, good, good um, vanquishes, if you want to call a dragon lord evil. There's a ha there's a kind of a happy ending, though people don't like it. But as my novels, as I write more and more novels, because I think this one was about, I don't know, the 10th I wrote, they get more macabre. It's darker as I go along. But there must be some humour in it. Well, I find it funny because I just think I've taken everything to its ridiculous extreme, but it's not funny, no. I mean, it's tongue-in-cheek. I mean, if you've listened to my CDs, I did an album um, where every single poem is kind of an over-the-top love poem. And when I do them on stage, I tell stories behind each poem and people see. But it just sounds kind of a bit like um, Jane Birkin. You know, because yeah. that's how I wanted it to be, but I don't really take it that seriously. I mean, I don't take myself that seriously. I have fun with it.